Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello, and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Greg, how are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited. I met your guest a little bit before we started recording today, uh, and it's going to be a great interview. Who did you bring on the show? So, Eric, uh, I'm, I'm proud to, to bring on to our conversation today, Dr. Bimbo Welker. You know, when I, I gave my team a, a charge that I wanted to, you know, bring more color to our conversations here, mm-hmm. uh, instead of just talking finances all the time, I wanted to look a little bit more into, you know, some people that are just are getting it done one way or the other in their world. Uh, and Meredith, my community outreach director said, oh, I got the perfect guy. And that that is Dr. Bimbo Welker. And, and so when I started talking to her a little about the story that he's going to share with us today, uh, the more I realized that, yep, she was spot on with this. So uh, Dr. Welker, thank you for enjoying, uh, joining us here today and uh, coming on to have a little conversation. My pleasure. So uh, I'd just like to start by my understanding of your background a little bit, uh, 30-odd years at The Ohio State University uh, as a director of veterinary medicine or something of that nature, and now you're out in private practice. Uh, so is, is that a, a pretty good summary of that? Tell me a little bit about your background. Well, I'm a, actually a graduate of Texas A&M, and I actually fell into an internship back in 1980 at Ohio State University totally by accident because nobody from Texas wants to leave Texas. <laughs> so in fact, when they offered it to me, I had to get a map out and find out where Ohio was, but we bit it off and it was only going to be a one year gig. Uh, we came up here for the one year and then I got offered a residency and stayed another three years. And then I kind of liked academia. So I went to, uh, tech, to Virginia tech actually for seven years and ran their large animal surgery section And then I got called back to Ohio State uh, for an interview to run the place in uh, Marysville, actually. So I I was there for 28 years and now I'm on my own. Now you're on your own. And that's that's the interesting thing that I really want to focus on going forward, because what we do uh, in my practice, I'm a state planning financial advisor kind of guy. Uh, But my bottom line is that I tell people all the time that our mission uh, is so that your money supports your life in the way that you want to live it. Uh, and I talk a lot on this program and, and and other speaking opportunities about some of the changes that are going on in the world, uh, the, you know, the uh, health, you know, how, you know, longevity, all those kind of things, and how people need to just kind of take another look at the traditional way of uh, I'm working till retirement at 65 and I got my paychecks going forward, Social Security. And I feel I feel like you're kind of a, a great example of what I like to call a kind of a second life. You know, after you left Ohio State, now you're out there with your own private practice and um, and getting it done that way. And so, uh, like, uh, I just kind of would like to you know, hear from you what life is like now for you uh, now that you're in this kind of a quasi retirement where you've moved from the from the academic world to being on your own and out there uh, as a solo vet out there? Well, the actual practice part of it is the same, but 
branching off and doing my own thing has been a uh, an eye opener. Like I mentioned to you before, students used to ask me all the time about, you know, what does it take to start up a practice? And I would make up some stuff because I didn't have any idea because I was in academia all those years. Now I can tell them the answer. And and uh, what a what a ride it's been. I've only been doing this for three years by myself and uh, was quite the eye opener to what you have to do to get set up uh, just to run the practice the way you have to run it as a solo practitioner anyway. There's a learning curve on there, isn't there? Oh, big learning curve. In my case, it was a fast learning curve because I had about two weeks from the retirement from Ohio State to hitting the road because I wanted to get I wanted to keep running. And so I had to get all my ducks in a row in that short two-week window of opportunity. Now, with um, as we talked a little bit about before the program, um, you know, you've got uh, family and, and obligations that were part of the decision. You know that hey, I, I couldn't just hang up my shingle or stop practicing and go to retirement. Yeah. Um, what was your thought when you started this business versus what it is now? How's it look different? Um, well, I didn't have any idea how fast it would grow. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy about that, by the way, how fast I could get on, the, on my feet and start running without any assistance whatsoever. If my wife hears this, she's not going to agree because she's done a lot to help me out. But mm-hmm. having to learn all the basic stuff about running a business in a short window of opportunity was a, was a big deal. Um, but now that I've done it, I would tell anybody that was starting on their own that you should do it the way I did it, which is do everything. Because that way, when, when you hire somebody on, you know how to tell them what to do or what the nuts and bolts are. And so I, I don't mind it now that it's three years later and I've, I've got a kind of pattern going. But first six months was pretty hectic trying to learn how to do all the things that I had to do to run the business. Now, as we talked about before, or going on the air, it's something you've you've loved every step along the journey. Uh, Absolutely. Um, is is there something that you find particularly um, energizing now versus maybe in the last few years of of working at uh, at the Ohio State University? Oh, absolutely. The most energizing thing is the money. It's the <laughs> it's a whole different ball game when you work for yourself. Uh, the impetus has always been run, taking care of my cases and taking care of my clients has always been the same. But now the reward is that the harder I work, the more I benefit from it. And that's, that's been the thing that's the biggest difference anyway. So when you started thinking about, okay, I've got to, I've got to start this thing from scratch. Um, what kind of um, steps did you take along that, that path to, to going from, okay, I've been in charge of this internally with really kind of a business coming to us because of what the mothership does to, okay, I've got to go out and I've got to get this started. I'm bootstrapping this thing. What kind of first steps did you take on that journey? Well, I had to go to the bank to uh, get uh, some uh, business loans and I've never had to do that before. I and mean, when you work for the big mothership, they take care of all that for you. So I had to go to the bank. To go to the bank, you have to have the information necessary to uh, allow them to want to loan you money to get started. And I can tell you also, I'm happy to, to tell you that I've had to use very little, if any, of their loan money because as the business took off, it took off well enough that it supported what I had to pay my, my uh, vendors anyway. 
the, the interesting thing was, uh, you know, if I was going to sit here with somebody, I would tell them, these are the pieces of information you have to have in front of you to go to the bank, to go to the vendors, to go to, into the labs to get set up with, uh, with accounts. It's, a, it's a, a lot of numbers that you have to have in front of you to get that started. So when I talk to young people now, I tell them you got to have your tax ID number, you have to have your DEA license, you have to have your accreditation numbers, you have to have, you have, to have all kinds of numbers uh, in front of you before you can go to those different people to set up accounts just to get started. And that's, I didn't have any idea because my secretaries with the mothership did all that for me when I was running the practice before. So you had zero really experience of, of running a business. Zero. Even though I was the director of the practice, I had all these people and staff that were available to, I, I could walk in the office and say, get this done and it would get done. I tell my, uh, the people that used to work for me all the time now, I say, I knew I appreciated you before, but I had no idea how much because now it's all on me. Every little detail was on me to try to figure out how to do it. Uh, and don't get me wrong. I can make a phone call to one of those and they would help me, you know, figure out how to get started with it. But that was the hardest part is all the stuff you have to get lined up in order just to get started if, with nothing else, vendors to purchase drugs to get started with the business anyway. So I'm curious, when, um, when you were at Ohio State, how much longer did you think that you were going to work at that point in time before uh, you had to make the change? I mean, um, how, how did, had you planned retirement was two or three years away? What was, what was your thought process at that point? In time? Um, no, I probably didn't think that away. I probably was thinking more like five or six years away, something like that. I, I've got kids in college, so I had, you know, I, I was going to work until I, until I probably had to go. I, I wasn't looking forward to retirement because that's not the way I, I am. I like doing what I do so much. It, it's hard for me to see myself sitting around the house or doing something else. And I've got hobbies like golf, but I'm not good at it. So I'm not going to play that all day long either. So, and my wife's a veterinarian and she works. And so she, she's not anywhere near retirement. So I don't know what I would do, but I enjoy what I do. Yeah. So, uh, so at this point in time, now that you are the captain of your own ship, yep. uh, uh, so if I do my math right at that point in time, you were thinking about five years, you'd be looking retirement. So that'd be a couple of years from now, uh, back right. in the day. Yep. And, and now since you're captain of your own ship, you can work until you drop. That's exactly right. And, That's exactly right. And it sounds like something that you, you darn well may do work yep. until you drop. Yeah. That's exactly right. I, it's uh, it's, it's an amazing career. Uh, to get to do what I do. I don't, like I said, I, there, don't get me wrong. There's sometimes at two o'clock in the morning that I don't want to get up and go out. But for the most part, getting up in the morning and going to work is a, is, is not a job. It's uh, enjoy enjoyment. Anyway. I like what I like most about being a veterinarian is not the animals. It's the people. I enjoy the heck out of my clients. It's the best part about being a veterinarian. I help my clients by helping their animals. Do you feel like, uh, well, if you don't mind, mind me asking, I've been kind of dancing around the issue. How old are you, Bimbo? 68. 68. So do you feel now that uh, at 68 uh, that uh, working energizes you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, even on long week, long holidays, if I have long holidays, I can't wait to get back because it just I'm excited about getting to go to work. I, again, 
don't, don't get me wrong. There are days when I'd rather sit in the house, like when it's 20 degrees outside or 20 below or snowing on, you know, that kind of stuff. I'd rather, by the way, be somewhere in the South where it's not cold. I don't, I don't like the cold. <laughs> <laughs> Those Texas roots run deep, huh? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little hot down there, maybe somewhere between. So when, so at 68, I'm sure you've got uh, many contemporaries of yours that have retired. Uh, They're they're falling like flies (laughs) asking me what I'm doing. And I tell them I'm not ready yet. I got too much gas in the tank, but yeah, they're, they're going out pretty fast. Yeah. See, I've, I've mentioned on this podcast and to people, my, my daughter makes fun of me because I, I, I'm a firm believer in some of the advances of medication and, and, and treatment. And I believe I'm going to live to 150. There you go. Uh, and, and when you're living with that type of a of a time perspective, uh, and you're doing something that you love, you love what you do. I love what I do. Uh, you, you don't go to work a single day. You just no. do what you're enjoying, yep. and and being able to continue doing that, uh, it's a blessing, uh, and uh, it just keeps you energized. Absolutely. And one of the things that that I thought I was going to miss the most was the student contact but I still have students with me. So I've got the best of both worlds now. So that's what a, what a joy it's been all my career to teach. But now when I have people with me, they're, they're there because they want to be, they're not there because they're going through a rotation. They've been a blast to teach. So uh, I, I haven't missed out on that at all. I mean, there are days where I'm by myself now, but the, they're, it's not very common. So I, I've got the best of both worlds. I get to teach and I get to run a business and make some more money. So it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the business is large animal veterinary. Uh, yes, what's, so my, my dog's 110 pounds. That doesn't count, right? Well, remember what I said, if you can eat it or ride it, that's my motto. So <laughs> I, I don't eat dogs. We don't eat dogs in this country. So I, don't. <laughs> I, I do a few farm dogs, I, but my wife's the small animal veterinarian, so if I get in a bind, I always got her to lean back on and say, "Hey, what what do I do here?" So, yeah. But I don't. But I run food animal and equine is what I do mostly. Probably nowadays, seventy percent horses and thirty percent cattle is probably the word words kind of settled out. So what what does that market look like? Uh, is is there are there lots of veterinary uh, services for for that market, or are there not many people that that uh, specialize in the large animals like that. Yeah, it's, and it's getting uh, worse all the time. I mean, I cover 16 counties on a routine basis. So people ask me what I do for a living. I tell them I'm a truck driver and I stop and look at animals occasionally. <laughs> uh, so a lot of driving because there's very few people that are doing the large animal, in particular the food animal component of it. Uh, they, there's more people doing horse stuff but very few people that are wanting to come out of school and do food animal stuff. So, yeah. I've heard something and you would, you'd know the answer to this. And is it true that Ohio state's one of like only four veterinary schools, colleges that's, I heard some of them are like that. Well, you mean in the country? Yeah. No, there's probably 32. I think 30. that's the last I saw. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. But there's still not many for all the people trying to go. So, uh, you know, maybe one out of 10 people actually get in, gets in that applies. Yeah. That, that seemed like an absurdly low number when I heard that. So, but even at 32, that's really low. Yeah. Yeah. Really low. So what's, what is the, um, 
what does a day in your life look like now? Um, that's kind of an interesting one because my practice is, uh, I think most people refer to as a fire engine practice. Uh, I don't have a lot of routine clients that I go to on a, on a scheduled basis. Uh, when I get up in the morning, my book might be a third of the half full, but by the end of the day, it's totally full. So if I put too many cases on the books the night before, I can't get to them all because of all the emergencies that come in. So I do a lot of emergency work, a lot of uh, acute problems that need to be seen on a, on a, at any moment. So my clients are good about uh, if I call them up and say, hey, I'm supposed to be out there today, but I'm getting beat up with emergencies. Can we bump to another day? Those people that I have on the books are things that can be rescheduled. And my clients are really good about that because they know that when their turn comes, if, that, if, I, if they need me, that I'll come their direction anyway. And that's what I like about it because I like variety. And this practice gives me lots of variety. I never know what I'm going to see on a day-to-day basis. So, so what's next in your world? Uh, the growth and expansion or keep it where it is? What do you have on the horizon? As long as I can keep it under control. The, the last thing I want to get do is get to a point where I can't help somebody out. And that's, I'm not saying I'm near that point, but I like the first year out, I, was, I had a really good year. My first year out, I was up 70% the next year and it's continuing to grow. So at some point, um, I'll probably have to, add on or expand or something like that. It's, that's a tough one because uh, in, in a practice like we have, it grows because of the relationship you develop with your clientele and adding somebody new on, you've got to find somebody that has the same kind of perspective on how to take care of clients and stuff like that. So that's the hardest part. I've had students call me that are in practices saying, I'm getting ready to expand. What do I, what do I do? And I tell them, you got to find somebody with the same work ethic and somebody with the same similar personality, meaning that people call you back because they enjoy working with you most of the time. If it's a one-time deal, which I see a lot of those too, it's, it's one thing, but my clients, uh, hopefully they call me back because they, I provide them a service and they enjoy that interact and that relationship that we have anyway. At least I do anyway. Now, are you, is it just you or do you have another vet in your team? No, just me. Just me, and, just me. I'm the bookkeeper, and I'm the I'm I'm everything. And so I spend a lot of time in my truck on the phone doing the business part of it as I'm driving down the road. So uh, if I if I were young, uh, I probably would make this growth a different in a different direction. Uh, I mean, not a different direction, but I might I would definitely probably uh, expand. Probably think about building a clinic and stuff like that. But I don't know that I want that that burden at this stage of my career. I enjoy what I do. I've run uh, two practices uh, for universities for, you know, in my career and I enjoy that part of it, but this is kind of, kind of a nice way to go. When, when I first got started this track, my wife and I went out and looked for a, an office space, just a, in a small office space for, for equipment and for supplies. And we didn't pull the trigger on that. Uh, and I'm glad we didn't because I'm sitting here in my office, which is in my house and so when I get done at the end of the day, I'm here instead of being someplace else. Uh, and I like that aspect of it. I don't have to go someplace else to do the things that I do to get ready for tomorrow anyway. So as we uh, bring this in for a landing, you know, the many people um, have you know spent their whole lives working 
in some type of corporate environment, uh, maybe believing they've got a, a song they haven't sung yet, uh, something that they want to do other than just stop working. Um, but somebody that's considering that they're now looking at the the modern equivalent of the golden parachute which is basically kicking the butt out the door right right <laughs> and um thinking okay what's my next chapter what um what advice would you have for somebody that's thinking you know i i've always thought i wanted to do x as my as a business what advice would you give them do it don't hesitate i mean this is easy for me to say i've got a a I'm in a, a business that there's a demand for, so I don't know how to answer that to, uh, to somebody who's doing something other than veterinary medicine, but I can speak to my side of it. And that is, this was, I, I wish I'd have done this a long time ago, not because I didn't have a great time with the university, but if it was going to happen, I wish it would have happened earlier. So I could have benefited from it more from a monetary standpoint, but at some point, you know, I'm going to have to start either slowing down or bring somebody on board just to make sure that uh, I get the benefits of what I'm doing. My my wife and I took the family to a, on a family vacation a few weeks ago, and we were sitting on the beach, and she said, he was talking about how much it was costing. I said, you know what? This is why we work. Don't worry about it. And um, I shouldn't have said that, by the way, because that opened up the floodgates. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's kind of the thing that I have to to do at this stage of my career is remind, remind myself that, that you have to enjoy the other parts of your life and mo mostly the family part of what's going on anyway. So, yeah. yeah, but it's not hard. She, she enjoys what she do, does. I enjoy what I do. My kids are in college. If it had to happen, it happened at a perfect time in my life. Cause you know, we're free to do whatever we want to do. And I always tell her, you know, she's always worried about me being, tired or overworked. And I said, if you want me to rest, you got to get me out of town because I can't say no on the telephone. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a great thing. Yeah. No complaints. Well, I'd like to thank you for sharing your story with us. And before we, uh, we wrap up here today, I always like to throw it over to Erica, who is my fly on the wall as we had these conversations, just to see if uh, there's anything that he'd like to ask you and follow up uh, something that's piqued his interest along the way. So uh, Eric, anything from you? Well, this has been fantastic. Uh, thank you, Greg, for giving me the opportunity. I do have just a couple questions, and this is not a, a hint, suggestion, uh, anything like that, Bimbo, but um, you, you talked about there's such high demand, right, for what you do, because not a lot of people are coming out and saying, hey, I want to work with this in this space. Um, have you thought about or are you planning, and not anytime soon because you love what you do, but maybe a, a sale of your business, a transition to somebody who would fill the gap for your clients and, and their animals. Absolutely. I have, uh, if things go the way they're supposed to go, there is an individual that's in vet school. Now he's a, so he's a sophomore and he's from this community. And I, I see that transition. I, he rides with me quite a bit anytime he can. And I keep telling him, you need to ride with me as much as you can so that my clients are saying, Hey, where's that guy at? So that by the time that transition does have to occur, it'll be seamless. And that's really because, because I want to take care of my clients, even when I'm gone and he's a, he's a good kid. Uh, so that's what I see happen in the future is selling the practice to him and letting him take it from there. And he's, yeah. he's interested. His wife's going to be a veterinarian too. So they're going to have a mixed animal practice. Perfect. I'll work out. Perfect. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just like you and your wife. That's, that's fantastic. Cause yeah, Greg, absolutely. Greg and I have talked about this on the show before. I mean, he's, he's obviously talked about it because of what he does. Um, so I was just curious. I hadn't heard that part of the conversation yet. And the other thing I haven't heard about yet is, is a cow being tied to a car. I'm not ah. sure. I heard there was a story behind that. And I just wanted to see if we could get that on the, on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we didn't get started on those, uh, kind of stories it would have been too bad but yeah the one that meredith was talking about is actually her uh, father-in-law this has been a long time ago but his father-in-law and mother-in-law uh, used to uh, raise uh belgian blue cattle which are double muscled so they're big yeah. they, they look like uh arnold schwarzenegger on steroids <laughs> and when i first met them uh I, I was just shooting the bull with them and they were talking about how you know i asked them if they ever had any trouble calving he said, no, 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 we don't have any trouble. Well, that got to be kind of an inside joke because, in fact, they did have, we had plenty of opportunities to go out there and practice with them. But I went out there one day and uh, I said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while, Dave. I said, how are things going? He said, just, he said, I got one more heifer to cab out and we'll be done. And she's not due for a couple of weeks. I said, okay. I got home 10 o'clock that night. Uh, he calls me up and said, you remember that heifer I was telling you about? And he said, yeah. And he said, well, she's out there and She's having trouble calving. I said, okay. So I went by, picked up my crew. We went out to his house and he's out in the country, right? And I'm in his front of his house and I said, where's she at? And he pointed across the road, which is this black abyss. It was pitch dark and it was a big, big open pasture. And I said, well, what's your plan? He says, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a plan. There was no set of pins in there to catch the cow. And he said, and she's crazy. I said, okay. So I told my students and his wife to stay there. And I said, they bring your flashlight. Let's see if we can find her. And I, and I pulled my rope out of my truck. I, I rope calves. I mean, I, I rode you for a living, right? So I pulled my rope out of my truck and we start out through this black abyss. And he's got that flashlight on. And I said, turn that light off, Dave. I can't see it. My eyes won't adjust. And so he turns it off in a little while. You see the silhouette of this cow with two legs sticking out the back. So, you know, I knew that was a cow, but she's like wired. She can see her looking for, for something going on. And, and about the time that I was trying to figure out what to do, he had a pet Jersey and this Jersey comes walking up to us. And I said, Dave, you stay here. And I just walked beside this Jersey, like a stealth, like an Indian. Okay. And when and this is a true story, when I stopped, I was standing directly behind the cow. She didn't know I was there. I'm standing right behind her. I could have reached out and grabbed the calf by the legs and gone skiing through the pasture, but I had my rope in my hand. I thought, okay, I got one shot here. And when I made my move, she jumped and I roped her hind legs and I'm hanging on with, for dear life, hollering, Dave, Dave, Dave. And he's running through the pasture with the flashlight looking for me. And he finally spots me and he's a big guy. We pulled her down to the ground and hollered. The truck came, we tied the cow to the bumpers of the trucks out in the middle of the pasture and did a C-section out there by the headlights of the truck. So yeah, <laughs> Holy cow. James Harriet ain't got nothing on me. I'm telling you, <laughs> I could go on with those things. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh that's man. The, fun part of the, the stories I always tell the students, you should keep a diary because in 10 years you could write your own, uh, all creatures great and small. It's just a crazy, oh. crazy business. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This, this was fantastic. I know that our audience got a kick out of it and learned quite a bit. Greg, of course, thank you for facilitating this, uh, doing all this. And, and I know that you guys didn't talk a whole lot about business, but it, it probably you know made people think about their own journey, their own second chapter. Um, so if people are interested in talking more, how do they get a hold of you, Greg? 
So if anybody wants to talk to me, they can reach out to me at uh, greg at dupontwealth.com. That's D-U-P-O-N-T-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. Fantastic. They can also reach me by phone the old-fashioned way, 614-408-0004. All right. Well, again, gentlemen, thank you so much for the show today. And of course, our last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review as this does actually help other people find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 